0: Where it started hello this is paul this is laura and i'm alton we are team derringer
1: and you are listening to derringer discoveries
2: where we take you the listener on an adventure
1: a music adventure
0: In 1990, after releasing their debut album, one of the most critically acclaimed Seattle grunge bands found itself searching, searching for a new drummer.
2: The band had churned through no less than six drummers in the last four years. Though their debut album had found popularity with college radio stations, The two founding band members just couldn't find a drummer that really meshed with the band.
1: However, in September of 1990, having been connected by a mutual friend in the music industry, a 21-year-old drummer from Washington, D.C., arrived for an audition. Two
0: Minutes. That's right, two minutes into the audition, the band knew that they had found the right guy. And a year later, that very same band, with its new drummer, blew up. Blew up the Seattle grunge scene when they released their second album.
2: And just a few short months after the release of that second album, the band exploded onto the world stage with the release of its first single from that sophomore album. The band's name was Nirvana, and that single was Smells Like Teen Spirit.
1: Single and corresponding video experience, unexpected mainstream success, and heavy rotation on MTV. I don't know about you guys, but I can remember it. It was huge.
0: The album would produce a number of other hits, such as Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom.
3: Come as you are, as you were, as I want you to be.
2: The band went on to release a third album, 1993's In Utero, which produced a couple of notable singles, Heart Shaped Boxed, and all apologies.
1: What else should I be? All
4: apologies. What
1: but all good things must come to an end. Following year, drug addiction and disillusionment with fame led to the death of Nirvana's guitarist, singer, and primary songwriter. Sadly, on April 8, 1994, Kurt Cobain was found dead in his Seattle home, having taken his own life with a shotgun. And
0: with the death of Kurt Cobain came the end of Nirvana, However, as is often the case, a new beginning follows a tragic ending. Sunshine after rain. Yes, listeners, that's what we're going to explore with you today.
2: That's right, listeners. After Nirvana's tragic disbandment, a new music project was born. A music project led by former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl.
1: And with that bit of information, we're pretty sure you know which band we're talking about. The Foo Fighters.
0: And to help us explore all things Foo, we've invited a special guest to join us today. This guest was with us for our final countdown earlier in the month. Listeners, it's our pleasure to introduce, or should I say reintroduce you, to our longtime friend and music superfan, D.P. Derringer.
3: hello hello thank you fellow derringers and hello to uh, all you non-derringers nice to be here hey
1: great you uh, decided to come back and join us i had no choice excellent <laughs> we yes. kept you in that box we
2: trapped it you. worked
1: <laughs> did it not
0: let yeah.
2: me out let me out <laughs> Uh, DP, it's great to be with you again. You're a fan of the Foo Fighters. Tell us why.
3: Oh well, you know they're just they're just a, a fun band. There are some regular guys who don't take themselves too seriously. They write great tunes uh, and they play them super well. They're catchy but not gimmicky, and they are just a tight playing band. Uh, and plus, like me, they are big Rush fans. So who who couldn't love a band who loves Rush?
2: Absolutely. After the death of Kurt Cobain, the remaining members of Nirvana, drummer Dave Grohl and bassist Chris Novoselic, agreed to dissolve the band.
3: Throughout his time in Nirvana, Grohl had continued to write and record songs for his personal catalog while collaborating on songwriting duties with Nirvana. Many of his early personal songs would eventually become Foo Fighters songs.
1: However, immediately after Cobain's death, Kroll needed to clear his head, so he packed it up, left Seattle, and retreated to Ireland. He needed some time to disappear, sort things out, and figure out what to do next. Southern Ireland provided the respite he was seeking.
0: After doing some soul searching, he made up his mind To continue with his music. So he resolutely returned home to Seattle and immediately began recording a 15 track demo at Robert
1: Lang Studios. Paul, you just mentioned that Dave Grohl returned home to Seattle. Did you know when he was very young, he and his family moved to Springfield, Virginia, where he grew up with his sister? Yeah, I did. And I guess I said home to Seattle because I was thinking of Nirvana,
0: but you're right. He grew up in Springfield, Virginia. And listeners, Springfield, Virginia is only about two and a half hours away from Charlottesville, the home of Derringer Discoveries.
2: Okay, here we go again. Come on, guys. You know Charlottesville is only one of the homes of Derringer Discoveries.
0: I suppose, Laura, that now DP Derringer is going to claim Eugene, Oregon, is one of the homes
3: of Derringer Discoveries.
2: It is, absolutely.
3: Don't tempt me. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, back to our story. Apparently Grohl completely immersed himself in recording this demo. He played all the instruments on all the songs except one. Greg Dooley of the Afghan Whigs played one lone guitar part on Grohl's song X-Static. That's Capital X hyphen static.
1: That's pretty impressive. And he apparently did a very good job because the demo attracted the attention of many record executives. And that demo ended up becoming the Foo Fighters self-titled debut album, which was released in July of 1995.
0: to support the album, Grohl needed to go on tour. But, and this is a big but. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Grohl realized he needed other musicians to tour with. So, he recruited a drummer, William Goldsmith, and a bass player, Nate Mendel, both of whom had been members of the recently defunct band Sunny Day Real Estate.
2: Girl also enlisted guitarist Pat Smear, who'd been a touring guitarist for Nirvana. Guys, what I want... <laughs> I really want to know how the band ended up with the name Foo Fighters.
3: Well, Laura Spice, uh, from what I understand is this. Uh, When Grohl was preparing to release the debut album that we just mentioned, he didn't want people to think it was just a solo project, but rather a full band. So he came up with the name Foo Fighter, which is a World War II term for UFOs. He had been reading a lot of books on UFOs, and the name kind of stuck with him. Later on, he regretted choosing the name and wished he had chosen a more appropriate one, saying, and I quote, Had I actually considered this to be a career, I probably would have called it something else because it's the stupidest band name in the world, unquote. Did he actually use that (laughs) accent?
0: He sounds like he's in the military, perhaps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, one of the musicians were recruited to tour in support of the debut album, and that musician being Nate Mendel, Nate still plays with the band today.
2: What about the other two, Pat Smear and William Goldsmith?
0: Laura Goldsmith quit the band during the recording of the Foo Fighters' second album, 1997's The Color and the Shape. You see, Grohl wasn't happy with Goldsmith's drum parts, and Grohl ended up re-recording the tracks and playing the drum parts himself.
3: Yep, and Pat Smear left the band shortly afterward and was replaced for a short time by Franz Stahl. Stahl was then replaced by guitarist Chris Shiflett, who is still with the Foo's today.
1: And around the same time that Smear was replaced by Stahl, William Goldsmith was replaced by Alanis Morissette's touring drummer.
3: Oh
2: yeah, the one and only Taylor Hawkins.
1: Heck yeah. And Pat Smear
0: eventually returned to the Foo Fighters. And get this, guys. The band's third album, 1999's There Is Nothing Left to Lose, was recorded in Grohl's personal studio located in the basement of his Alexandria, Virginia home. (laughs) Yay, Virginia
3: studios! (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Uh, The band's lineup remained the same until they added keyboardist Rami Jaffe as a session and touring musician in 2005, and then promoted him to a full-time member in 2017. Jaffe had previously been the keyboardist for The Wallflowers.
1: Over the years, the Foo Fighters have released many chart-topping albums that have spawned numerous number-one hits on Billboard's mainstream rock chart. Four of their albums have won Grammy Awards for the Best Rock Album, and some sources indicate that the band has sold well over 40 million albums.
2: And then, on March 25th, 2022, the unthinkable happened... Beloved Foo Fighters drummer, Taylor Hawkins, died in his hotel room while on tour in Bogota, Colombia.
0: Though no cause of death was listed, Hawkins unfortunately was found to have 10 substances in his system at the time of his death.
3: What a truly tragic loss. Indeed it
1: was. Yeah. Guys, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but Taylor Hawkins used to sing Times Like These when Dave Grohl needed a break from singing. There's a couple of versions of it out there on YouTube. You definitely ought to check it out. It's pretty awesome. We'll do
5: but it.
2: You
1: know, roughly six months after Taylor Hawkins died, the band reassembled to play a couple of benefit concerts in memory of Taylor.
3: A few different drummers filled in for the absent Hawkins, including Shane Hawkins, Taylor's 16-year-old son. Uh, one of the drummers that played with the band for both shows was Josh Fries.
2: Over his career, Fries has played drums for such notable acts as The Vandals, Guns N' Roses, A Perfect Circle, and get this Devo.
0: You must win it. <laughs>
2: You guys, I got to see the Foo's over the summer, and a couple of times they would do an aerial shot of Freeze drum kit, and you could watch him play. And I'm not a musician, but it was it was amazing to watch. It was really really exciting.
1: Yeah, I think they picked a good guy. That's for sure. Absolutely. And obviously, Dave Grohl feels
0: the same way because Freeze has since been named a full fledged member of the Foo Fighters. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> Okay, guys, we've given enough background. It's time to pick our favorite Foo Fighters song and share it with our listeners and tell why we picked it. DP, you're our guest. You go first.
3: All right. Well, it wasn't an easy decision, but I gotta say that my all time favorite Foo Fighters song is Rope. It starts out with these ethereal guitar chords. And then some harder guitar chords come in on on top of those. And you know there's gotta be more. And bam, it kicks in. Uh, There's a great guitar hook, catchy vocal line. Uh, The chorus kicks in with a driving rhythm and powerful vocals. It's just got a little bit of everything. It's even got this great guitar solo. It starts off edgy and really dissonant at first, and then it just rocks out from there. Uh, And Taylor Hawkins, he plays tribute to Rush with a ride cymbal rhythm any Rush fan, and perhaps only a Rush fan, would recognize and appreciate. You are listening to Derringer Discoveries. Laura, how about you?
2: My favorite song is a more recent one. It's The Teacher from their most recent album, But Here We Are. The songwriting credit goes to the entire band, but the song itself is really a tribute to Grohl's mother, Virginia, who passed away in 2022 and was a high school English teacher for 35 years. Dave has always been really vocal about how his mom supported his desire to pursue music and she really was the most important person in his life. The songwriting process was apparently an outlet for the emotions that he was feeling while she was in the hospital. Guys, check out the music video for this. It is visually stunning. Alton, how about you?
1: I actually like the Foo Fighters song, Everlong. However, I like the acoustic version better than the album version. Okay. Yeah, the acoustic version, it does show up on their 2009 Greatest Hits album and appeared again on the 2022 album, The Essential Foo Fighters. You know, the original showed up on their 1997 album, The Color and the Shape, I've waited here for you ever long. However, I'm kind of a fan of the Foo Fighters when they dial it back a little bit. They can really rock hard, but when they dial it back and kind of show their emotion, I think it's pretty fantastic. If anything could ever be this good again. The only thing I'll ever ask of you not to stop when I say when. Paul, how about you? What's your favorite Foo Fighters song?
0: Alton, my favorite Foo Fighters song is a song that you introduced me to. It's from 1999. The album is called There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Alton and I were reunited with an old band of ours, and we were up in New York, outside of New York City, and we were trying to come up with some covers to fatten our playlist. And Alton suggested that we do this song. I had never heard it, but I became a big fan, especially after we practiced it about 40 times in a row. And the song is Learn to Fly.
1: That's a fun song to play. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great song to play. Love it.
0: What album was that from? That's from the album There Is Nothing Left to Lose, 1999, Learn to Fly.
2: If you ever get a chance to see this band live, it's worth the ticket price because when a band's been together a long time, they play the song set. Sometimes it's like they're just going through the motions. These guys are having a blast. Uh, I mean, it's like the first time they've been out there playing these songs and you can tell that they just really, really like each other. And I mean, they put on one heck of a show. It is amazing.
3: are listening to Derringer Discoveries.
5: With listeners in more than 30 countries.
3: You've been
0: our guest, DP. So you get to have shout-outs. Uh, Laura Alton and I do not get to have shout-outs, but do you, DP, have any shout-outs to friends or family?
3: Oh, I just uh, want to say uh, say hi and thanks to my family, my wife, my friends, the Hojo Fro, and all of you Derringers and everyone else in the world, including Foo Fighters.
2: DP, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a lot of fun, and your insight has been really valuable to the show. Listeners, thank you for joining us as well. Please be sure to subscribe to our newsletter via our website, DerringerDiscoveries.com.
1: You can also follow us on social media. We're at Derringer Discoveries on Facebook and at DerringerPod on Instagram, Threads and X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. You can reach out to us on one of these platforms or send us an old school email at feedback at derringerdiscoveries.com. You can also use the contact page on our website. You
0: have been listening to Derringer Discoveries, a music adventure podcast. Send all sternly worded correspondence to Alton (laughs) and all kudos to Laura, DP and me. Please follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app,
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again soon for another music adventure podcast.
3: In your sister's room.
2: That's where it started. In your sister's
0: room. We had this person... Uh, And to help how to stick to the script.
2: (laughs) That's not very flattering to this person.
0: (laughs) Being here. To support the album, Grohl needed to go on tour, but, and this is a big but, Grohl realized he needed other musicians (laughs) to tour. I know what Alton's going to do with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, thanks for sticking around. We'd like to take a moment to raise your awareness of a worthy cause.
2: That's right, listeners. If it's something that may have affected a friend, family member, or quite possibly yourself.
0: Today, we have a longtime friend and former bandmate along with his daughter, and they are both with us today to tell us about the Target Cancer Foundation.
1: Listeners, joining us today is Jeff Tuzo and his daughter, Caroline. Jeff, tell us about the Target Cancer Foundation and the upcoming event that you and Caroline are participating in and why you are doing so.
4: Yeah, we are participating in the Boston Marathon, the 128th Boston Marathon, and we're running the marathon, both of us together, on behalf of Team Target Cancer. And the Target Cancer Foundation is an organization, a Boston-approved organization, that targets rare cancers, and they support people who are either dealing with rare cancers, and they're also funding research to hopefully solve some of the problems that people with rare cancers have, as well as uh, obviously seeking a cure. It's just a great organization. They're very passionate. They're committed to, to doing everything they can, kind of uh, getting a, a healthy uh, fundraising effort together.
5: Caroline, how long have you been running with your dad? And when did you start running marathons together? We've been running together for as long as I can remember. Um, My dad and I, yeah, so uh, I grew up playing soccer. And once that kind of ended, my dad and I started running together. He's always been a runner. And uh, the Boston Marathon will be our fourth marathon together, which is great. He's run a couple more than I have. So I got to catch up eventually. But yeah, we've been running together forever and um, love to go on long runs and train together and all that. So it's very exciting. Love it. Yeah.
0: Caroline, what can our listeners do to support the Target Cancer Foundation?
5: Yeah, so um, as my dad mentioned, we're both fundraising for Target Cancer for the marathon. And um, in order to contribute to our cause, you can just go to each of our fundraising pages. Um, So you can go to bit.ly and then slash Caroline Runs Boston. Um, And then same thing for Jeff. So you can go to bit.ly slash Jeff Runs Boston and uh, support the cause. And um, the great thing about this fundraising is that the money really goes straight to the research efforts. So um, it's kind of like unrestricted dollars for the organization to, to really fund research that will help promote cures for these rare diseases.
1: And listeners will have those links in the show notes for this episode.
5: It's just a little rain, she
4: said.
1: So, um, Jeff, how about you? I know that uh, this has been a subject near and dear to your heart. Tell us why you're participating.
4: Well, um first of all with with running it's just a wonderful thing to be able to be able to share that with your daughter or your son and the team target cancer it's near and dear to me for a number of reasons i had cancer i'm a cancer survivor uh in my early 20s and uh, i was given a 50 50 chance by my doctor of ever having children and thankfully i came out on the right side of that and uh caroline's kind of living proof and it's just a wonderful thing to be able to share with her Plus, uh, I mean, as, as Alton and Paul, you know, we both lost a very close friend and bandmate to cancer, from, uh, rare skin cancer, Rich Connor. And he's always in my mind. And when I'm making my playlist for running these marathons, there's always a song by Rich in there that I love. And he's somebody I love. So... It's, it's really for hope. We want to really do something that's outrageous and we want to keep everybody's chin up and do something hopeful that, that will maybe change things here and really uh, do something for good while we're really having fun and training hard.
0: I
1: That's amazing. How special is it to be able to roam with your daughter where you only had a 50-50 chance? You've got two kids, so you definitely came out on the right side.
5: (laughs) It's so special.
1: So uh, any shout outs that either of you have to friends, family, or any closing comments that you'd like
4: to share with us? Just from my side, Alton and Paul and Laura, thank you so much for letting us do this and jump on your episode here. It really is a meaningful cause for us. And, you know, this touches everybody. I know I talked about personal stories here, but I know both of you, all of you and, and, you know, Caroline, we've all got friends or families that this is touched by. So my last comment would be, Let's keep our chins up and not be defeated by this and stay hopeful. And, and I'm glad to be here and, and fundraising instead of, uh, you know, not being here clearly. Um, but, yeah, I'm just proud of my daughter. I'm proud of our effort together. And, um, yeah, Caroline, anything from you?
5: I echo everything my dad said. Thank you so much for having us on here. And um, thank you so much, too, to everyone who supported us so far because, um, yeah, we couldn't be doing this without all of you. So
4: Fantastic. When is the date of the marathon? It's April 15th on Monday, I believe. Is that correct, Caroline? April 15th? Yep.
5: Marathon Monday.
4: (laughs)
1: Okay, listeners, if you're following along, you have have a couple of months or a month or so before the marathon, so make sure that you jump on, click those links, and help support these folks. Laura, over to you.
2: Listeners, we hope that you'll join Jeff, Caroline, and Team Derringer in supporting the Target Cancer Foundation.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Caroline, for raising awareness for this worthy cause. This is Team Derringer asking you, our listeners, to help fight cancer by sponsoring Jeff and Caroline, and by supporting the Target Cancer Foundation. This has been a public service announcement by Derringer Discoveries, a music adventure podcast.